Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is your co-host, Seth Green. Today, I have the good fortune to be with Neil Martin. He is the co-founder and CEO of Sublime Behavior Marketing. He's also the author of the pioneering book, Habit, the 95% of behavior marketers ignore, which is an example of the principles of marketing in later research from cognitive psychology and neuroscience that reveals most of consumer behavior is the result of unconscious habits. Neil, thanks so much for joining us. Seth, great to, uh, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Let's go back in time just a little bit. How did you get started? It's a little, I have a, a, a bizarre kind of eclectic background. So I, I went from being a psychiatric hospital administrator uh, to go back to school and get a, a PhD in marketing. Um, That's, what so, prompted that switch? Uh, you know, it's it was funny. I just, you know, when, you, when you're, you're growing up, you kind of pick things that seem interesting. And so I got into psychology and I was either going up the... Uh, get a PhD in psychology route or get a, uh, like an MBA, go up administrative. So I kind of got, got accepted into doctoral programs in psychology, but I kept getting promoted at the psychiatric hospital. And so I went, eh, I'll just get an MBA. But uh, I got this really interesting offer to get a PhD instead of an MBA. They were like, you know, hey, there's Blue Million MBAs, not many PhDs. So I was like, okay. And, and then the great thing was they would pay for the, for the degree. And uh, so that, that was really interesting to me. And so I, uh, I quit the uh, hospital business, um, went to school at Georgia Tech, uh, focused a lot on high technology marketing, uh, but I always had that psych background. So um, when the uh, the behavioral economics books were coming out, I basically wrote the equivalent of that from a marketing perspective you know, of all of the Antonio Damasio and all of the work by uh, Kahneman and Tversky, which showed that basically almost everything that we had theorized about marketing and customer behavior was wrong. So that was sort of what led me to write the book. Which was going to be my next question. So you segued perfectly into what inspired you to write the book. Now, I don't want you to spill the secret sauce. I want everybody to go get the book, but let's talk a little bit. Let's tease them a little bit on why these principles from cognitive psychology and neuroscience haven't been recognized as drivers of human behavior for marketers before, and then kind of how we can use them to help people buy things that are good for them. Yeah, I think the big the big issue is it's just so counterintuitive. You know, we feel like we're making all these conscious decisions, 
And uh, the idea that our, our conscious brain is, is basically just post hoc rationalizing whatever our unconscious brain comes up with um, is, is hard to is hard to really grasp because we can't see the unconscious brain working. The way I like to explain this, it's it's really, you know, we talk about the, you know, the unconscious brain does most of the work. Well, think about driving your car busy highway, you're surrounded by hundreds of other cars going all kinds of different speeds. Your conscious brain can't handle that. It's all done by your unconscious brain automatically, but your unconscious brain is, is nonverbal. So the only way it can communicate to you is, well, you know, that distance feels about right to that car in front of me, right? It's like, you know, you've got millions of inputs that are happening that are being handled outside of your executive brain's awareness, but it all translates into that feels about right. You drive with your wife, your wife drives like 10% closer and you feel anxious, right? Oh my God, you know, like we're going to die. Um, and so that's, that's everything. I mean, that's, that's how we shop. That's how we, you know, do relationships. That's how we do management. It's, you know, our brain is, uh, is processing all this information outside of conscious awareness. We interpret that through this feeling. Um, and that's, that's so counterintuitive. And when you look at all of the marketing theory, it was all kind of based on the economic theory that we're homo, homo economicus. We are rational beings making rational choices. So, I mean, the big, the big thing that I fight all the time is all the processes that are built into marketing. Um, that are all derived by, oh, let's go ask people why they do what they do. Let's ask them, you know, what you know what they were thinking when they bought that hamburger or that car. And so we're recording all this inaccurate information, and then we we create marketing plans around that, advertising campaigns around that. Uh, and then, you know, eighty five percent of new products fail. Most ads aren't paid any attention to, and and yet people still get paid. <laughs> so I think that's that's kind of the big issue. Is at the end of the day, as long as people are still getting paid, they don't really think they need to change what they're doing. You're absolutely right. Can you give us some examples, and there's some great ones in the book, of how we form these unconscious habits and how they're driving purchasing behavior? Yeah, the way I look at the world is, 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 is I try to simplify all the complexity of the brain into, you know, we're all trying to, basically, we're looking for shortcuts to good decisions. Um, and the, the most efficient behavior we have is a habit. So I've done this before. I've been here before. I've solved that problem. I don't have to think about it again. And so it, it makes our, our brains weigh three pounds, but use up 20% of the energy of our body. And if we have to think about something, that energy drain goes up. And so we're trying to be efficient. And so if we've got something done as a habit, we don't have to think about it. Doesn't, there's no cognitive load to doing that. And these thoughts happen outside of conscious awareness. And so they're they're fast, they're powerful. Um, that's why they're so hard to change. And you know, when you think about, I, I mean, I, I I the Bud Light controversy that you know that we're locked into is just a perfect example. People would automatically order Bud Light in these contexts. You know, I'm going to a concert, I'm going to a ball game, I'm I'm, at, I'm on the golf course, right? Automatically I order Bud Light. What happened was, and what I really argue hard about in my book is like, if you've got somebody doing what you want them to do, the last thing in the world you want them to do is to think about it. And that's, that's always the risk when, uh, you know, when you change a logo, when you change your distribution channels, when you change your pricing, once you get somebody to think about it, now that, that once reliable behavior is knocked out of, of autopilot and brought back into pilot mode, conscious awareness. 
And, uh, and then all bets are off because there's a really good chance I'm going to decide to do something else next time. You know, like if I switched off a of Bud Light and I started drinking Coors Light or Modelo, whatever, that becomes normal to me. And that's really the driver here is, is like most of what we do is what feels normal and feeling doing something that feels abnormal just makes us feel off. It's that's there's something wrong about that. Well, let's you brought up a great example. So you had billions, let's say, of consumers in the habit of ordering Bud Light and the marketing campaign they did caused a large caused a percentage of those people who didn't resonate with the influencer that Bud Light had hired, they now had to think about and break their habit of Bud Light to protest, and they had to choose something else and form a new habit. So Bud Light probably thought they were doing something good by running that campaign. They certainly didn't think, let's do this, it'll, it'll kill sales. They probably thought it would help them get more sales by doing it and didn't anticipate the backlash. And then you know Target ran into the same thing. Right. So you said, don't make people think about it. And they unconsciously made people think about making a different decision. So draw me some parallels. How do we get people to suddenly who are using our competition, say, to think about the habit they've got and break it and adopt what we want instead? Well, so I think one of the one of the great insights in in all of the work that I've done um, is really the idea of understanding context. Um, I go into a Mexican restaurant, I order Dos Equis, right? I order Corona. I go to an Irish pub, I order Guinness, right? What do I get in the grocery store? Might be completely different. So a lot of times what we're, we have to understand is that if you have an entrenched competitor, it's very hard to take them on head to head. Um, but you can be clever and you can find a new context. Oh, well, when you're in a rush, do this. You know, when, you know, when you're in this situation, do this. And then once you get, I think the best example of this to me is Under Armour, right? This company comes into an incredibly competitive area of athletic wear uh, with, you know, uh, you know Adidas, uh, Nike, Puma. I mean, all of these companies have been out there forever, have all the distribution channels. Ah, let's come up with a new context. What you wear under your athletic clothing. Right. Nobody's there. Uh, Think about Red Bull coming up with the energy drink category. Right. You come up with a new vector, a new context that allows you to not compete against everybody else. The last thing in the world you want to do is compete. You want to have your own little market that you can rely on. That's why it was so easy for Bud Light drinkers to just switch Um, because, you know, the, the, the other beers are right there. The cost of the same. It's a fairly trivial changeover. Um, and so if you can get a good, get a good context, the other thing you can do is to just to disrupt the behavior is to think about what, what is making that automatic and how do I get somebody to think about that? Um, you know, one of the examples, I, I, I hate to say this out loud, but you know, like Ben and Jerry's ice cream, um, you know, so good, so delicious, so creamy. Well, you know, look at the fat content. Right. So if somebody's like really thinking about fat and you kind of go, well, you know, they have higher fat content, right? They have a lot more, you know, that could be viewed as a good thing. But if you think fat's bad, you create that negative association. Now I'm elevating that thought to the brand. And, uh, you know, you can see, you know, a lot of examples of this about being able to uh, to get somebody to start thinking about it. The other thing is to really think about, you know, anything that simplifies what I'm doing. I'm trying to simplify. 
I'm, I'm looking for a shortcut to good decisions. If you simplify my behavior path, then you have a good chance of getting my business. Um, and that's something where you you look at um, you know your media consumption, right? You know, you you know, if you're old enough, you went from LPs to cassettes. Um, you know, you might have even had the dreaded eight track experience. And uh, and then, you know, and then, you know, Apple comes up with this idea of having, you know, the soundtrack of your life in your pocket, a thousand songs in your pocket, right? Boom, everything changes. Right now, how I consume music. Well, that was cool. I love that. I love that. I was just thinking today that I, I came across, I was cleaning out some drawers. I came across an old iPod. It's like, I love my iPod. Um, but now everything's streaming. Right, so then you have the streaming. Start. Well, what, what's what's happening? You're simplifying. You're 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 the things that you don't have to download music to a device. You don't have to select things. You don't have to build playlists. You don't. If you simplify something, there's a really good bet that you're going to win a large part of the market. Now, how do you work with brands and businesses who want to put this power to work intentionally for them? Uh, typically, and you know, one of the things about writing a book is sort of like throwing you know seeds in the wind. Um, so I went from being high technology guy um, to really being kidnapped by um, consumer products companies uh, and their market research area, and which actually makes a lot of sense in retrospect because you know so much of what was was plaguing these guys was bad research because they were going out and asking people about things that were actually going on unconsciously inside their their heads. Um, but a lot of that work is in new product development, um, product launches, major marketing campaign shifts. Um, I would say, I, you know, un unfortunately, most of my clients are the are the really big multinationals. I really feel like the the um, application of this is is even you know better with small and medium sized companies because the big guys are so process driven. It's so hard to to change those those processes. Um, but to really think behaviorally, you know, what's the behavior I have to initiate? How do I reinforce the behavior? Um, you know, what are the behavior? An idea that I, I, I put into this model of consumer behavior that I created um, when I started working with pharmaceutical companies. And, and one of the things I realized was that, that what drove the, one of the biggest problems with pharmaceuticals is um, like half of prescriptions that are written are never filled. And most of the prescriptions that are filled aren't taken to completion. And so what I realized, if when you think about it, if, if you go in and the doctor says you have high cholesterol, well, you don't feel anything. You don't feel bad. If you take a drug to lower your cholesterol, you feel bad, right? And what are you trying to do? You're trying to lower a number. You're trying to lower a cholesterol number, a bad cholesterol number without messing up your good cholesterol number. I mean, all of that's so abstract, right? And when do you get feedback? that the cholesterol drug is working. Well, a year from now, when you go back and have your cholesterol checked again, right? So I take a pill, I'm not feeling bad, I take a pill, it makes me feel bad. So the only thing that keeps me taking that pill, if I create what I've called a, a behavioral belief inside my mind, that doing this matters, and it's really important that that number comes down, right? And, and so it really made sense to talk about that in the pharmaceutical world, but I realized it actually applies to everything. You know, when you're using a product or a service, business to business, it doesn't matter. You know, do I create a behavioral belief that doing this behavior will have this outcome? You think about giving to a charity. Well, how much of that charity is going to overhead, right? Um, and so these are the things that, again, these are the, just some of the components of, of, to really, you need to really understand your customer's behavior, is to really understand what are the drivers and to recognize that, that there are two battlefields, 
we're spending most of the time on the wrong battlefield, which is the conscious brain stuff. And we really need to focus on the on the intuitive brain. Um, and, and that's where you're going to win that battle or lose that battle. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it's important for the folks watching, listening to know who aren't running multi-billion dollar brands and don't have labs where they can hook people up to electrodes and watch their brain activity as they make decisions. Think about how they can do this on our, not necessarily brain scans, but how they can learn from what you've uncovered and apply it in their marketing to help affect their prospects and clients' behavior is so important, which is why uh, I want to ask you for um, everyone who's watching and listening, where should they go? Where is your ideal source for them to go get the book and then to learn more about you and the company? Uh, yeah, the book, I mean, it's still on, uh, on Amazon. Um, and, you know, my company is Sublime Behavior. Um, marketing sublimebehavior.com is the website. Um, email is nm at sublimebehavior. Um, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, it's funny you say, don't give away the secret sauce. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm happy to give away a lot of the ideas. Um, I, I really want to train people how to do this. You know, everybody, you know, people that one of the, you know, one of the things I, everything I did was trying not to associate this with me. You know, this is not me. This is, these ideas work. Um, and, and I can teach anybody to do this. Um, and it's, you know, that's again, part of the problem with working with very large companies. Oh, we want the guy who wrote the book. And it's like, no, I can show you how to do this stuff. Um, but it, it's, it's just critical to really think through anything that you're trying to do from a behavioral perspective. Um, and so um, I'm happy to share. I wrote a white paper that kind of goes through the model and explains all this stuff. Happy to share that. Um, but I, what's been interesting lately is a lot of companies have been wanting me to help them from an organizational behavior perspective of applying the same sort of behavioral things to how do you change things organizationally? Because it's, and it's something that, you know, it's fascinating that the failure rate for new products is very similar to the failure rate for um, uh, organizational uh, um, uh, behavior change implementations that the companies try to do. Um, and, and to really understand that what you're trying to do is to build habitual behavior. And if it's not habitual, it's not reliable. Absolutely. Well, we know your time is in greatly valuable. We greatly appreciate you spending it, some of it with us. This has been Seth Green for Sharkpreneur here with Neil Martin of sublimebehavior.com. The book is Habit, the 95% of behavior marketers ignore. Neil, holding it up for you on the video version of the show. Thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate your time. Seth, thanks for having me. Have a great day. Thanks everybody for watching or listening. We will talk to you or see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product, or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet, and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free perfect pitch cheat sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.